0: You are listening to Just Riding Along on Mountain Bike Radio. So it's day two of 2015 Breck Epic, and I am in a wonderful sound studio called Mike McCormick's Pickup Truck, and I'm going to interview him and ask him a couple of questions about why his race is so awesome and why you should do it in the future. So... um, introduce yourself why do you do this and what makes you want to put on probably the best north american and, and just so people don't get too fussy about bc or anything in costa rica the best north american stage race
1: yeah well you know it's important to recognize that, that all of those races have their own personality and flavor and it's not really that one is better than the other they're they're different and that's that's a good thing not a bad thing i think when we get in the business of ranking them each one does different things better and sometimes even better is the wrong word. He thing does things differently. Uh, we started this race in... We started planning in 2008. And we launched in 2009 uh, for a couple of reasons. We wanted to promote the place that we lived. And, you know, the Firecracker was a way to do that. The Fall Classic and Mountain Bike Little League, same thing. And we recognized that Breckenridge was unique in that it could host big stages from a central location and have this wide variety of terrain available. So in the beginning, it was, it was a point of pride. Uh, it was a little bit of envy at some of the other properties that were launching. And, and we thought, man, we could do that too, but have put a unique twist on it. And in the years since then and now, I mean, that was 2009 was the first year. So this is the seventh year. Um, it's matured a little bit. Uh, we've always attracted great riders from an international field, but uh, it's gotten more polished. The swag's gotten better. <laughs> um, the price has actually gone down, which is a point of pride for us. We, we, I think if there's one thing we are the best at, we're the cheapest damn mountain bike stage race in the world. And that doesn't mean like we're the Costco variety. It's just that I I grew up in a trailer park.
0: That's important to me. Like you're, you're offering. And I think there's a couple of things that are important to recognize here. Like you said, you want to showcase the place that you live. Uh, This is probably one of the only stage races that you can fly to and not need a car. You can take a shuttle from Denver. You can take, And the shuttle would drop you off at the at the resort because you guys always have a partner resort, and then so you would shuttle right there, right? You can absolutely do it without a car. Then you have the free summit bus you could take to the to the grocery store, and most importantly, though, yeah, I see where you're going. Um, you guys have all the stages transfer free, so like you can ride your bike in five or ten minutes to every start. Every start and finish is within a mile of town, and we have this clover leaf
1: design and. We sort of pride ourselves on, like, that's not better or worse than B.C. I think B.C. is awesome. You know, Dre's a friend, uh, and I love what he does up there. But this is just different. There there aren't those transfers and and waking up early in the morning. And I'm not saying those are bad things. I think that's part of the romantic appeal of that race. This is just a different way to skin that cat. You can sleep in your own bed every night. You can do it without a car. You can walk down to some of the best sushi in Colorado. There are four
0: kick-ass coffee shops in Breckenridge and that's what's different and in a way good right and I guess that that's what I meant like different like you don't need it like that's a you said you want to showcase where you live and like I think that's really cool it's something that's really neat like I didn't mind doing the transfers during the Pisgah race but it was just and I haven't raced here yet but this is my second year here being crew and it just seems so convenient to be able to coast down off the hill to the start line
1: man it's convenient for me (laughs) Get to- <laughs> you get to <laughs> roll out of bed
0: and just go <laughs> right. to work,
1: right? It's 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 less back breaking. Uh, that's a part of it. And and you know, like we said in the beginning, they're all different, and different is good. You know, giving consumers and riders a wide choice of, of places to go, spend their money, and, and enjoy their week of vacation that they've earned, they've trained for all year long, is a good thing. So here, you know, it's it's an amazing course. Oh my gosh, the riding is incredible. I think today's stage, the Colorado Trail, is a testament to that. I mean, that's a bucket list trail for anyone in the world who calls himself a mountain biker. Tomorrow, these riders are going to go over the Continental Divide twice. They're going to climb French Pass, drop down into the South Park, come out of South Park from all the people on their ATVs and all their kids on their ATVs and all their kids' kids on their ATVs with their cans of Coors and their cigarettes. And they're going to climb through all that, which is surreal and awesome, and they're going to cross the Continental Divide again. And it's a you know 40-mile stage with 6,500 feet of climbing. And it is it is exactly what we set out to do. Eight years ago, we set out to put together a stage race with five or six rides that were like the big rides we wanted to go do with our friends on a Saturday when we had it off. And I think we accomplished that. And the circumnavigation of Mount Gio was a great example. 40 miles, you're dinking around with your friends, it's a five- or six-hour ride, stopping and, and BSing. And, and tomorrow, I mean... These guys from the team Ergon are are gonna pop this thing off in
0: three hours and fifteen minutes. It's insane. It's <laughs> sick. Like it's it's mind-boggling. I heard a pro talking yesterday after the stage about he was gonna wear his lightest base layer in a long sleeve jersey tomorrow, and it's like, oh right, you do this in three hours, you're done at eleven thirty. It's not hot yet, Mr. and you're <laughs> and you're going fifteen miles an hour all the time, so you're always cold. If you're like in like I was wearing a summer kit, but I was also going two miles an hour uphill. And like, it was noon before I was back, you know, Right. Well, and I didn't do nearly all the course. Mr.
1: 1% body fat has a, has a good chance of freezing his nuts off. Also. Exactly. He's yeah. going to be at 12,500 feet twice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that's really neat. Um, yeah. It's great. I mean, it seems like you guys call on lots of people here. I mean, the course has been, you know, really well marked just out. Again, I've been here two years and I've been riding just on course, you know, it's it's not like you guys close down the forest. Like, so I just go out and ride and, you know, I'm a racer. Like I know how to do it. Like if I'm riding with a group of people, like in a line, like it's all cool. If I feel like I'm going to like bobble, I just get out of the way and let everyone pass and try again, you know, like it, but it's really cool to see like the, the self policing and the self regulating of everyone. Like, Yesterday, going into the single track, the first piece, there were some people that started getting fussy, and, like, everyone just started yelling, like, rule one, dude, rule one, you got six days to sort this shit out. Like, the scolders. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, it's like, you know, homie started being, like, ugly about getting in the single track, and it's like, you got, like, 20 hours to sort this out. Don't stress a second here. You're a not
1: going to make any friends there, but you might lose some.
0: Exactly. Well,
1: you know, I think, Self-policing is, is a good way to phrase it, and we don't have a lot of rules, and that's deliberate. Like, we've produced a lot of UCI-level stuff and sort of been subject to the the whims and the bureaucracy and the idiocracy of, of that. And we don't see mountain bike racing going that way. People say that their racing is dying and it's on its heels. Racing is kicking ass. Racing is, is, is amazing, but it doesn't need to be saddled with... TV contracts and four mile courses and, and and just this huge rule book. Let's all agree to be adults. Let's do the right thing. Let's be cool to each other. It all kind of comes down to that, and we're getting by with that. We're getting by without a commissaire. We're getting by without a thick rule book because I think if you give people clear expectations, hey, this is a race where you can set all that shit behind. We're, we're not going to accept bad behavior. We're not going to accept littering. We're not going to accept just the, the things that any normal person would think are poopy. And when we set those expectations and sort of put the race into this box of behavioral expectations, people seem to snap to that pretty easily. you can see sort of the detention go out of their shoulders. Oh, thank God. I'm not going to have to put up with the dicks here because we are a tribe filled with narcissistic people and I get that. You have to be somewhat inwardly focused to be able to function in a climate like this. And I'm not talking about the climate of Breckenridge, I'm talking about being a high functioning mountain bike racer. And even the guy who's in last place, by anyone else's definition, the other ninety nine percent of the world, that seven hour guy is a high functioning mountain bike racer. Exactly. That guy rode thirty eight more miles today than ninety nine percent of the rest of the world rode.
0: Exactly. Like and that's That's something that's, like, really hard for me to come to grips with. It's, like, if I try to compare myself to Kirko, like, I'm a chump. But then, like, if I did come out and race, I probably wouldn't be a seven-hour dude. But then there's a ton of people that even if you drove them to the bottom of Little French Gulch, is that what they went up yesterday? Yeah. Like, I went up that today. Like, I just, I talked to you this morning. I went straight up the road, straight to the top. And then instead of following the course, I went to the top top, ate a snack, Coasted back to town, rode the end of yesterday's course twice. Like, it was so good, I did it twice. But most people, if you dropped them off right there, they wouldn't hike to the top. No. They wouldn't just walk. And and we have 700 people here that are experiencing stuff that almost, I mean, closer to 100%, not even 99%, probably like 99.8% of people in the world will never go up there. And for this is radio, you can't see I'm pointing at the mountain up there. Like, they won't. Like, and you're offering like, people a world-class experience day in, day out for three or six days, whatever they choose.
1: That's the thing. It, it is a rare experience. And it's, it's attainable for most people who have uh, just even a, a modest amount of drive and commitment. And this is the event of the year for a lot of these people. And I love that Albin is here and Jeremiah is here and Brian Dillon and and Carl Decker, Barry Wicks. Like, these are guys that I like. They're pros that I admire, not just for their accomplishments, but for who they are. And these folks are hanging out and talking to the seven-hour guy. And he's thrilled and delighted and he's starstruck, as, as we all are a little bit. It's a great sort of melting pot. of of those different types of people. We have a 67-year-old guy who's crushing it. I mean, he he finished in four hours yesterday. It's insane. He's so fast. He's 67. Yeah. You know, we had a 67-year-old woman who did it two years in a row, and she wasn't out in front. But, man, she punched it out.
0: And Um, and
1: that's that's just, it's a a patchwork quilt of personalities and
0: abilities, and it all kind of seems to come together and work. And Anne from Alabama, she has MS. (laughs) <laughs> she's, she's racing she's she's <laughs> racing wreck havoc and she has MS like. she had
1: the greatest quote yesterday when I asked
0: her where she was staying she's like oh, I'm in
1: a condo here and I said well well, have you been practicing the courses and she's like oh yeah I drove my van and I've been you know riding for a month and she said I, I, I slept my way across the United States and I didn't get laid once <laughs> <laughs> maybe I should be on the radio <laughs> no but it definitely she's should al- she's hilarious and she's committed and she's challenged you know she has She's dealing with real issues that, that the rest of us can't even begin to fathom. Like, you don't understand being a parent until you are a parent. You don't understand picking up dog poop until you pick up someone else's dog poop. Like, there are things that are just visceral and can't be understood until you have first-hand experience. And what she's faced with is massive. And she's here. And, and I use this phrase a lot, but she is punching it out. She is pedal stroke after pedal stroke after pedal stroke making this race her own. And she's stoked about it. She's so happy. And she's awesome and funny.
0: And, yeah. Yeah. It's just great. I mean, you have everyone from little little Anne with MS to, like, uh what's the guy with the, I can't remember. He has a very foreign name. It's hard for me to pronounce. It. But he's <laughs> world champion. Albin? Is that? Albin Licata. Is, he's is world champion. Topic I thought, I had, I thought another the, guy was the champion. He's the reigning marathon national champion. Yeah, so, like, you have all that spectrum lining up together.
1: Reigning marathon world champion, sorry. Yeah. And there's, like, the Canadian national champion is here, the Costa Rican, the second-place South African guy. Jeremiah's been national champion how many times? Like, you can't swing a dead cat without hitting a national champion.
0: (laughs) You can't swing a dead cat without hitting a national champion.
1: That's an expression
0: from your neck of the woods. It definitely is. (laughs) It definitely is. Well, great. Well, Mike, uh, thank you for your time. I understand you have lots of stuff to do probably 366 days of the year. So, um, getting something to eat would probably be high on your priority list today. Yeah.
1: I feel like a breath mint. Like I could really use a breath mint and some
0: water. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe a beer. Awesome. Thanks for the time. Yeah, man. Thank you for everything. Maybe we will catch up with you again. Um, post race stage seven, the notorious stage seven. Yeah. Well I have to cut out tomorrow. I have to go to work. I have a job, so I have to go back and go to work. But um maybe even in like the weeks after we'll catch up.
1: That sounds awesome.
0: Awesome. Thanks again. Cool. Thanks.